Welcome back to Around the Farm. I'm your host, Clint Chaffer, and we're going to be talking about all things ag. Today, we're going to be looking at when is the most important time to maintain your planter, whether that is before, during, or even after the planting season. Today, we're going to be talking to a precision farming specialist and equipment dealer to see what last-minute things farmers are doing before planting and how they can better maintain their equipment and also what they can do to, to really stay ahead of, uh, of the growing season. So with that, I'd like to welcome my, uh, welcome my guests here today. So, Scott, uh, thanks for coming in with us. Thank you. How about, uh, how about you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, let, the, let the listeners know who you are. Uh, my name's Scott Chismar. I'm with uh, Seavers Equipment. We're a five-store case dealer in central Illinois. Basically been doing all the precision farming for the last several years there and a lot of other places previously to that. Nice. Do you work on on all sorts of different brands as well or, or just strictly limited on, uh, on case? Or what, what do you find yourself working on? Pretty much anything colorblind, any make, model, shape, size, doesn't matter. And Scott, you and I have uh, worked together in the past as well uh, with uh, with different uh, different precision pieces. Whether that was GPS auto steering, and uh, the precision industry's changed quite a bit uh, since those days. Yes, it has continued to grow and evolve, and every day and every year, something new and more exciting comes out on that. It's been pretty interesting to see the the evolution of. You know, with, with precision of, of going in, you know, auto steering, GPS, and now we've really moved into row-by-row controls of a, of a planter. Um, have, have you really seen that trend with, with your farmers as well of really kind of moving into to more of the, the higher tech stuff? Yeah, farmers, they keep uh, upgrading to the row-by-row, planter shutoffs, uh, individual row control, population control, hydraulic downforce a lot of the aspects that everybody's looking for to improve their bottom line. As we look at, at moving into the into the spring of 2019 here, uh, what are you seeing, you know, for, for farmers calling you up? What are some of the last-minute items that, uh, that, they're, that they're starting to either wanting to order and get installed before planting? Uh, what, 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 are you, what are you hearing from those farmers? Oh, there's a lot of guys upgrading, wanting electric drives on their planters. Hydraulic downforce is a real, real popular item right now. Got one customer who's only has an eight eight fifteen Kinsey planter, wanting to uh, put hydraulic downforce on that, and he actually plants with an open station tractor. No kidding. <laughs> that is uh that's interesting to see you know i mean uh putting on a you, you probably don't see that that much technology on open station at least in illinois i should say yeah i would say so I, that's probably not typical in the midwest at all but well you'd definitely be wanting a wanting a cab today that's uh that's for sure a little a little, uh, little, little chilly out there but uh what uh, what are the most common questions that you that you get from farmers? You know, when they start asking about, hey, well, what's the next step that I do, or what's the next upgrade do I do? Uh, is there kind of a process to that, or do they do they kind of jump around and just start adding different components? Uh, it kind of depends on the how advanced the customer is and what they're really looking for. A lot of times, I like to ask them what their future what they think they might want to do in the future so that we're not stuck on something that can't be upgraded in the future. 
and hopefully that'll help them start building on a product that they can expand as they have more money to spend towards that or decide that they need to do more for that. Makes a lot of sense. I mean, build up the foundation for for what you're going to do in the future there. You know, you, you, you mentioned, you know, as they have more money, right? And uh, as the economy, uh, you know, starts uh, starts getting better, uh, at least the farming uh, economy, has the economy impacted the how, how farmers, you know, look at upgrading or whether that's upgrading to new equipment or upgrading the, the equipment that they have? I mean, have you seen some trends around that with, with how that is? The new... New equipment sales have probably been slower than a lot of dealerships would like to see it. There has been guys upgrading new equipment, but the uh, precision ag side of the business has probably been stronger than it has in even the past couple years. It's really picked up, and guys are willing to spend more money on a little bit older planter or as they price a new planter and decide... I can't afford to spend that much money, but I can spend part of this money towards upgrading their planner. Now, do you see uh, do you see farmers doing upgrades like, uh, let's say they did uh, row shutoffs, you know, a, a few years ago? Uh, do you see them jumping into like electric drives and doing more row by row control at that point? We're starting to get the turn of where guys that were the early adopters of precision ag and just row clutches and row shutoffs. Now they're, the, the planning window just seems like it gets less and less every year, and they're looking at ways of improving their speed and planning timing by going to high speed or better improving that planter. What have, uh, what, what have you seen on high-speed planting? Have you seen guys jump into that? I mean, I, I've, I've read a lot about it. Uh, just kind of curious if, if guys are starting to really move that direction. There's a fair amount of customers I've got that do that. There are a lot of them that you would think they would go full bore into that, and they don't go all the way for high speed. If they're a lot of them are happy planting seven, eight miles an hour, and the faster speed just isn't something they're really looking for. Oh, it's just hard for me to get my head wrapped around that. I just remember dad. Uh, pretty much telling me that I better not go over five and a half mile an hour in any field. So it's uh, kind of interesting to get that kind of a new train of thought, you know? Yeah, I've had a lot of guys who have told me that when they go to high speed and you're used to going five and a half miles an hour, maybe six, and you get up to eight miles an hour, it's a big difference there and almost a shock to their system. (laughs) I could imagine. I could imagine. You know, now uh, in your area, what do you see, Scott? You know, when it when it comes from uh, tillage to to no till, or are you in a in an area where it's kind of a little bit of everything, or what, what do you end up seeing? Now we've got guys that are conventional tillage. We've got strip till guys. We've got no till guys. Um, cover crops are starting starting to be more popular. Um, there are guys that are going that way and more and more guys are interested. It's just a matter of getting everything done in the fall and having that ability to get everything done. 
Yeah, and the, the reason why I ask that is, I guess I'm curious. You know, if I'm if I'm going to order stuff for my planter, uh, do my tillage practices kind of come into play? And I'm kind of thinking of you know you you've, you've mentioned downforce and things of that nature. Uh, you know, do they do they need to order stuff that's kind of for their operation or how they even like down to their tillage? That would be something that definitely needs to be considered um, from row cleaners on the planter to uh, the right closing system to the keeping the planter in the ground. There's so many things that tillage practices versus no-till versus cover crop does affect all that. Have you seen a, you know, an impact from 2018's winter and, you know, kind of in a lot of areas, a lot of field work didn't get done. Uh, there were some challenges, you know, that were out there. Uh, have you seen that in your area as well? I mean, and, and has that impacted, you know, how guys are, are looking at, at some of these last minute decisions? Yeah, the, the fall was good for harvest and then it turned off to cold and wet and everybody has been under the gun and every day more and more guys are getting nervous of whether they've got enough tractors and equipment to go around and when things really hit hard here if they can get it all done yeah it could uh, could wind up being a being a short spring right or a, a short uh before planting window i guess i should say so uh uh that uh, it'll be interesting to see how this all kind of plays out you know you mentioned uh row cleaners row cleaners are always uh some of those fun conversations i know uh my old man ended up uh, getting the uh, the ones that lift by air, and uh, that was uh, he, he'll tell you it's probably one of his best purchases. How many times have you pinched your fingers in row cleaners? Many a times I've done that, and the air adjustability. I have not had one customer that has uh, ever come back and said that's the worst mistake they ever made in their life on that. <laughs> I could imagine. I mean, if I had to rank, you know, stubbing your toe in the middle of the night and getting your fingers pinched in row cleaners, that, that may be a toss-up, you know. So those are uh, it's it's nice not to have to mess with those, you know. And 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 I I look at even going into a spring like this, where tillage is is such a concern that there may be portions of the field that are tilled and portions of the same field that are that are no tilled, and I think that's just adds to the value of some of those uh, adjustable row cleaners. Yeah, the I, I know in the past when I've had guys that have had wet springs and they've had a wet hole that will not dry up, the best thing is to raise the row cleaners up and they don't they they don't ball up, they're just raised up and they drop them back down when they get through that spot and do what they got to do in the field. Yeah, you've also talked about you know having the the hydraulic downforce and uh, you know maybe versus the versus the air that we've uh, that we've had in the past, uh, or even down even into adjustable springs. Uh, is there a stepping process to that? You know, I mean, if a if a farmer has a, you know regular springs, do do they move to air first, or can they make that jump right into a hydraulic downforce? Uh, most of the customers today that I get. If they're interested in better downforce control, they they tend to just go right to hydraulic. They kind of understand the hydraulic principle better and the quicker reaction, so they don't really consider that. 
You know, one of the interesting pieces is you you, you start looking at all of this different uh, equipment that we're adding onto these planters, whether it is a, a hydraulic downforce or electric drives, uh, which really you need to kind of consider the the tractor's capability that uh, that's pulling that. How have those conversations, you know, ca- kind of evolved through this process? Guys have gotten more aware of that, and depending on the hydraulic requirements. And one thing about it to go to have a high speed planter, you can have a planter set up to go high speeds, but if you don't have enough horsepower on the front of it, you're not going to be able to do what that high speed planter can do. And that has to be addressed a lot of times. And guys, guys consider that or think that they have got enough horsepower that they can go 10 miles an hour while they get in the field conditions and it limits them to maybe eight miles an hour. And just having enough hydraulics, the older tractors, the days of having an older tractor on a high-speed planter or a hydraulic downforce planter with electric drives, a lot of those older tractors cannot handle that. I know one of the uh, one of the tractors that we have at uh, our planter tractor at home uh, was when we got it, we made sure that it had the high-capacity pump on it. Uh, and now that high capacity pump back in 2010 is no longer the high capacity pump anymore. I think it's standard or even smaller than what the standard one is. Yeah, that's uh, the tractors, the hydraulics have changed. And a lot of guys think they have high flow hydraulics and it ends up that they've got on the lower end of the spectrum now. What do you kind of see, you know, during planting? Of course, uh, you know, there, especially when we look at look at high speed and and uh, there might be more opportunity for for some wear parts and things. What do you have to do, Scott, to just make sure that you have the the right inventory set up to do replacement parts in a short amount of time? Uh, how does that look, uh, you know, just from from a a logistic standpoint? Well, we try and try and look at what previously in the past, what the common problems have been, what the typical stuff that has issues are, and then kind of look at, okay, what else do we have that's new out there that might cause us problems to uh, try and do that and cover all those to where if a customer does break down in the field, we have something that can get him up and going in the most timely fashion as possible. It's interesting, you know, if you if you would have looked at our uh, our shed, you know, probably 20 years ago, it was we had a, a whole bunch of replacement bearings, right? That was always the <laughs> the thing that you had to had to worry about, and uh, that has changed drastically. You know, I mean, now it's a, a lot more electronic components or air fittings or things of that nature. Yeah, the electronic side of it, you know, just having the electric motors, uh, modules, anything that can, and wiring harnesses that could easily be pinched if tie wraps break or somebody, you know, something bolt breaks on the planter and something drops and you uh, pinch a harness, that kind of stuff to be able to get them up and going. Because when you you go to electric drive and you take the chains and sprockets out of there, they're pretty much done when they don't have the components on there to run those electric motors. Yeah, really, really start relying on that on that electric side of things for for sure. Uh, have you ran into any uh, any alternator issues or anything of of trying to tr- had to put bigger ones on? Or I've heard some guys put maybe some PTO driven alternators. If if uh, if I stand if I'm correct on that, 
Most uh, most systems that I've sold, we just make sure ahead of time that we're sized properly. And if again, it becomes a tractor issue a lot of times. That if if the tractor on the front is questionable, we need to analyze this and make sure that we can't add an additional alternator to the system or generator to uh, meet the needs of uh, that customer. You know, not only is uh, is it important to put these components on for the seed to get the seed into the ground. Uh, what have you seen for you know looking at some of the the technologies that maybe they're adding to their planter around uh, fertilizer or insecticides or or, or any of those other uh, seed treatments uh, that they're that they may be putting on. Um, Infuro fertilizer, starter fertilizer, two by two. Um, Every year, it seems like more and more guys are definitely wanting to put some type of fertilizer on the planter. It's getting more and more. Everybody is wanting to do that. They have seen the neighbor down the road that has this and seen how good the corn looks right off the bat. And it's just been really driving more people to want to put on liquid applications to their planter. And really, I mean, the the more that uh, that we're adding to that planting pass, uh, you know, really the, the the more data that we start uh, start collecting as well. Uh, what have you seen? I mean, for uh, for a trend wise of of the farmers that you work with of trying to just manage some of that data on a day to day basis and and throughout the season. Oh, there's a lot of guys who do a very good job with it. A lot of guys are just, they worry about planting and going and don't pay attention to it. And then they get done planting and they want to see all that data. And sometimes actually seeing that data and knowing that they recorded that data right is few and far between a lot of times. It's it's important to get good data collected is what you're saying, right? That's correct. It's Everybody turns around and says they have these issues after the fact. Well, I always want to see maps and data that back that up so that we can help troubleshoot and figure out why there was an issue with that at that given time. So as as those issues arise, you know, and you you'd like to dig into the data and understand, you know, what happened on that field. Uh, what kind of tools are you using to 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 kind of jump in and look at that? A lot of my farmers are running field view so when he's got the ipad and the cab or he's already planted that field we can go back and look at that map and if he's complaining about a certain row you know or a pattern across the field uh, we can zoom in on those planting maps whether it's a downforce issue or a population issue we can zoom down to that row and really figure out from there what potentially could have been going on on the planter itself. Now, I mean, do you do that, you know, pretty much, you know, as they're planting or is this a, is this an after the fact, you know, I mean, how, how is, I guess, when does that troubleshooting take place typically? It could be in either instance. I mean, there's going to be guys that are going to catch on to stuff right away and expect you to be there or call you on the phone and you try and walk them through it on the phone to zoom in and get as much detail as you can over the phone or when you do go out there look at that data right then and there now there is guys who don't say anything until they planted 500 acres and they've had this issue the whole time yeah, yeah, that's uh, I have heard of of some of those where uh, you you probably wish you would have heard about it sooner than than later. At that point, 
That's correct. It always an after fact, and then it's easier to take care of it right then and there as it is to wait till next year, basically, to know that you did resolve that issue potentially. You know, you talked about uh, getting out to that field, you know, right away. Uh, I'm always curious, you know, what, what's uh, what's the farmer's expectation of, of service and, and what's the reality of service? Well, every one of them would like you right there, right then, right now. Reality is sometimes you happen to be in that area and you can make it there a lot of times. It's a few hours away before you can get to that customer or maybe the next day. Yeah, and I would imagine uh, patience at that point in time is a, is a virtue at that point. <laughs> and there are, there are some customers, farmers, that have got better patience than others. And I try and uh, be as patient with them as I can because it's not good for either one of us. You know, we run a uh, Case IH 1245 on, on our farm and uh, we have a, uh, of course, field view hooked up to that. And it's always funny because uh, I'll use remote view to, to basically, you know, I'll be down here in St. Louis and I'll jump onto my iPad and uh, pop into to wherever dad's uh, field or wherever he's at and kind of take a look at it. And it's been interesting. There's been a few times, Scott, and I'm sure you probably ran into this, where he's called me up and says, you know, hey, this this number isn't looking right. Uh, you know, what what are your thoughts? And it, it's just really cool to be able to pop open that iPad and jump right into his field and be able to see that four hours south, you know. any Anytime you can get that data right live and actually see what's going on in the cab, it makes everything a lot easier because there's been many a times I've went out, you've talked to a guy several times on the phone, you've made him repeat stuff, and even after that point, you go there, and 10 minutes later, the problem's resolved just in the communication gap versus the reality of actually seeing that data and what was going on at that time. You know, most time, if there's uh, an iPad sitting in the cab, there's also either at least one other monitor, if not multiples. Uh, how is that just a challenge in itself of of having you know, multiple screens in a cab, maybe they're from, from you know, several different companies. How have farmers adapted to, to having all of this in front of them uh, and having all these different, you know, really different control modules or, or different screens that they need to work through? A lot of guys, and thankfully, a lot of these guys have grown through all the years of adding that and adapting. Uh, the age of a lot of the farmers out there is not getting any younger. So a lot of those guys have grasped technology really well and all the the different monitors and sometimes, you know, in the heat of the battle and the worst thing is they run it a month, two months. They don't run it till the fall, you know, different monitor maybe in the fall versus the spring. It's, it's just the getting used to running it. And a lot of these guys, unfortunately, get used to it in the spring and then six months later, they almost got to retrain themselves again to get used to that monitor. It's Unfortunately, it's a lot of the same questions, same operation stuff that they don't obtain because they don't use it daily. You know, I hear that from uh, from Dad with uh, with some of our monitors at home. He goes, not only have I not used it in six months, but then they did a firmware update and it looks completely different. So he's like, I really got to completely uh, relearn this, you know? Yeah, a lot of the... 
a lot of the monitors when we set them up from the multiple stores, we we try and set everybody's monitor to really look the same. So it doesn't matter if it's myself or one of the other technicians go out. At least we're both on the same page. And then if if there is an issue, we kind of got that layout way everything should look and how it should function. It makes a big difference for troubleshooting and ease of knowing what everybody's on the same page at that point. Yeah, no, that makes sense. You you talked about, you know, working across multiple brands and and multiple different uh, precision solutions. Just yourself, how do you keep up on on training and everything else? I mean, uh, I I would assume that there's a lot of of seminars and things of that nature that you need to go to. It's getting more and more webinar, web-based training stuff, so you don't have to spend as much time away from the uh, office being out from your local area. Uh, but there is trainings that you do have to go to for certification, to meet dealer standards, to meet all that. And there's a lot of online. A lot of it is hands-on. I'm a hands-on type person, so that's the way I learn the best is hands-on. But there's a lot of training that goes with it. You and me both on the hands-on. You can probably tell me something five times, but until I do it myself, uh, I have a more of a difficult time grasping it there. So, well, as we as we look, you know, we, we've we've talked about about planting, getting ready for planting, some of the the struggles that happen even uh, during the season. You know, as guys start wrapping up the planting season and getting ready to put their uh, put their planters away. Um, how many how many of your farmers are looking at actually doing upgrades after the season's over? There are guys, and I try and get to guys after the season, especially the guys that have uh, brought stuff up to me, questioned stuff, had concerns, thought about doing some upgrades. I generally follow up with them right after they get done planting or if they're doing their own spraying and everything, try and work it in when they're not totally busy all the time and kind of push that to the next level to say, hey, let's get this going. I know we got a year from now, but that year will travel by and you'll go to pull your planter out of the shed and say, oh, I I was going to do that. And then there's a lag of getting product, having product, and having the time to get that done at that point. It seems like there's that short window after planting that uh, if you can do those upgrades, it really helps out on the time frame to the next planting season, like this time next year, right? Yeah, it, it definitely helps, but I I do know if it's broken, it's in the shed, they tend to forget about it. Looking at after planting, um, and not only just looking at the planter itself, but, uh, you know, I mean, I'm sure you start having conversations around uh, application equipment and things of that nature, uh, even maybe even during the planting season. Uh, how much do you see guys uh, starting to starting to look ahead to the growing season, say, you know, saying, hey, we need to prep for this and we need to start getting things ordered or getting things installed? I've got a lot of guys who are already thinking about side dress applicators, what they need to do, how they can improve that, how can they add more shutoffs. As you add that stuff to planters, guys start thinking more and more about section control on side dress applicators and maximizing the input cost of the fertilizer they're putting on. You know, you're talking about uh, side dressing and 
Are you? Do you think you'll see an increase of side dressing this year with with how 2018's fall went? Maybe some of the lack of uh, nitrogen. I I very well could see a lot of guys who are gonna, and that's been driving the planter aspect of liquid on the planter too. Guys are adding that because they're not, they don't have nitrogen down. They don't know what totally is gonna happen, and I think there could be a big upswing and after applied nitrogen whether it's with a side dress applicator or with a sprayer over the top well scott i i just want to say thanks for uh for coming in here today and and taking us through you know that whole process of before planting and getting prepped uh some of the pieces that ends up happening uh during the season and then really going into even uh the post planting and kind of moving into that growing season and that whole thought process uh around that so scott thank you thank you for coming in and uh and giving us your time here thank you I'd also like to thank all the listeners out there today. And remember, Around the Farm is brought to you by Climate Field View. This has been our last planting season episode, but we'll be back in a couple of months with new episodes all about the growing season. In the meantime, if you have questions about the podcast, growing season, or even just want to learn more about me, jump on Twitter, go out to Field View, which is our Twitter handle is at Field View. Use the hashtag, hashtag FieldViewClint, so I can find your tweet and I'll answer some questions in upcoming episodes. And don't miss any episodes, so be sure to subscribe either on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts at. And we'll see you around the farm.